Greetings and welcome to the Power for Positive Living podcast. My name is James Huey. I facilitate friendships, personal growth, education services, and also serve as host for these podcasts, offering openness and caring through the gift of listening hospitality. I invite you to join me here on Friendship Podcast Radio as we explore diverse topics to enrich the quality of your life. Power for positive living and friendship. One of the mysteries in life for many people is why certain individuals make an effort to exhibit behaviors and attitudes that cause others to dislike them. After all, in the American culture, being liked by others is one of the very top values we have in our social system. So, if this is true, why do some people of all ages and backgrounds sometimes seem so determined to be unlikable and unlovable? One belief I have is that as social animals, we humans need to receive attention. We need to receive attention that's positive, if possible, from others in our world. Our parents usually start this socialization process early in childhood training. Attention supports our very health, and I believe that attention supports our survival. Parents heavily reward the cute smiles, funny words, delightful behaviors, and all those other things which make their children likable to others and to themselves. And they also discourage attitudes. They discourage behaviors that they and others do not like to see in their children. Parents can discourage verbally and non-verbally. They can discourage physically and non-physically. This process is carried forth by others in the child's world. Family groups, social institutions, the school systems, and eventually the world of work. With all of this training, one would think that likable and lovable individuals would abound and we would be totally surrounded by this type of positive person. However, observation of our world tells us that this is generally not true for most of us. There can be many possibilities for this. One of the most obvious to me is that familiar guideline I use, which is called different strokes for different folks. What is likable to one person may be unlikable to another. Of course, being human, our view, the one we personally have, is usually seen as the best or as the correct way to be likable or unlikable. However, the basis that seems most prevalent in individuals is that they do not all receive the same type, the same degree, or the same quality of training as they grow up even though the goal of all of this training may be very similar. One of the realities is that some parents have difficult material in their children with which to work. 
Also, parents' own skills in this area of being liked and likable. This whole area in their life may be lacking with the inability to alter it to help their children. After all, we all know it is difficult to teach what one does not know. Naturally, this can be present in many other areas of an individual's life as he or she grows. Some family members and friends can teach better than others. And we all have differences in the gifts we give to another person. Some children are better able to learn than others. Another reality and another example of individual differences. My own teaching career began with 200 ninth graders. That first year, I wondered why some students worked so diligently to be unpleasant to me, while others made effort to be disliked by their fellow students. I struggled with this incongruency since it did not make any sense to me as a young adult. After all, I grew up in the world that said we all like to be liked and likable. However, as a new teacher, I recognized that I was a symbol of authority and of parents, and this would give me some legitimate rationale for being unlikable to some of these students. But why? Why work to be unlikable? Why work to be unlikable to your own peer group when for many teens, if not most, the peer group thinking is like an adolescent religion. It's the one thing that is the strongest influence in your life at certain ages. It seemed to me that the ones who worked the hardest at being unlikable were the ones with the weakest skills. The ones that seemed to work so hard did not have very much strength in their skills. They did not know how to positively interact with others in their world. They tended to have the highest and the strongest defense systems, the highest and strongest psychological defense systems to keep from being hurt by other people. As a human, one of the most painful experiences I believe in life is to be ignored. If we do not know the positive ways to receive attention from others, many will choose to create negative ways rather than be ignored. As social beings, we seem to need the positive stroking of attention. As I mentioned all of this about attention, please remember that all attention is not created equal. There are many different types and many different degrees. We as individuals tend to react differently to the type and the degree of attention being offered to us. For some in my world, I may be very content with a one to three degree of attention, and that's using a 10-point scale. With others in my world, I may yearn for an eight, nine, or 10 on the same scale. It can vary with individuals. I also may be content with visual and verbal attention. I can be accepting and feel very comfortable with visual and verbal attention from others. With others, 
I may want some degree of physicality. I also have to acknowledge to myself that I may seek some combination and that all of these degrees and types can vary from hour to hour or day to day. Many of us, I believe, tend to fall back on the view that one size fits all. It is a constant challenge no matter what area of personal growth you and I are studying, how to resist the impulse to believe that one size fits all. We may even further compound this limited view to believing that the way we, you and I, as individuals see and respond to attention by others, we may tend to see this as the only way, or we may tend to see it as the correct way to respond. Once again, always being aware of the dangers and limitations of the one-size-fits-all view and response set. We as social beings seem to need the positive stroking of attention. And if you and I cannot learn the way that strokes us in a positive manner, we will generally learn a negative method. Just ask any parent, teacher, or employer. If the child, student, or employee cannot find a way to be positively stroked with attention in their environment, they generally will find a way to receive negative attention rather than be ignored. It has been my experience that if a person truly wants attention by others and they are willing to pay the price for this, because once again, seeking and getting attention from others does involve some prices to be paid, but if one is really willing and wants to pay that price, there are few limits on what they as individuals may choose to do. As I left teaching and went into clinical counseling practice, I eventually realized that many of the people coming into me with interpersonal difficulties in their lives were very similar to the dynamics that my ninth grade students had. For a variety of reasons, these individuals did not possess the positive skills to love or like themselves. It was hard to like others when, it was, when it's almost impossible to like yourself. And these individuals with interpersonal difficulties, they usually experience negative difficulties with others in their world as well as not liking themselves. So whether it is in teaching or counseling, it has been my experience and therefore my conclusion that in many situations, the individuals who were the most unlikable, the most unlovable in their attitudes and behaviors were the very ones who needed positive attention the most. It seemed that the ones who were trying the hardest to be negative were the ones who were also seeking the most diligently to make sure they received the positive effects of attention, whether it be negative if it couldn't be positive. Being lovable, well, it was just difficult for them. And they exhibited unlikable behaviors just to be sure they were not ignored. Many had simply not learned how. They have not learned how to be likable persons to a variety of people in their world. 
My goal is, and has been for much of my life, to acknowledge this to myself. I acknowledge this in other people and in me. I offer whatever I can to these individuals who need the education, they need practice, and an expression of positive affirmation for just being humans, their humanhood. You and I both know that likable people are easy to like, lovable people are easy to love. It is the unlikable people in our world that offers us a true opportunity to care for those who I believe need it most. And they need it most even when they make choices which make it most difficult for you and I to care. Frequently, I receive questions via Gmail, and the content of the question is so broad that I think it may be of value to a wider audience than responding to an individual. On this podcast, I would like to include such a question. This question goes as such. This podcast seems to focus a great deal on understanding and accepting oneself as being healthy. When does this focus on self become selfish and unhealthy? Very understandable and certainly a valid question to be explored. To me, a key component to considering the views of others, whether they come from this podcast or elsewhere, is to filter any input through the various prisms, at least two prisms of degrees and experience. Each of us has a prism that brings forth the varying degrees of how we see and respond to things, and we certainly have prisms that demonstrate our variety in life experience. As a listener to this podcast, I believe you understand my encouragement in this area. Few things in life self-study or selfishness come into our world as either or. I like to use the conjunction and rather than the conjunction or in describing my goal, which is a win-win situation. I like to be able to describe our interaction as you and I win, not you or I win. Once again, that's my personal favorite. You and I win, not you or I win. Another factor for me when receiving input and seeking to fit into my own lifestyle is to consider the use of the information. Labels like selfish can be useful or labels can be misleading. I also have learned that the use of labels can also allow one to avoid thinking and exploring themselves. It allows a type of mental and emotional laziness. Even if I were to accept the label, and once again, I believe accepting any label in my world is my choice. I try to look beyond the label of the word selfish 
and determine how. How am I going to use the thoughts and behaviors of that specific word? How is another person choosing to use that behavior in their life choices? How is their choice going to affect them as individuals and affect me? In other words, I am not going with the quick, easy to respond, quick, easy response, and quick use of labels. There is lots of things to ponder in the how am I going to use words and labels whenever I decide to utilize a specific label. For example, some people have what could be called a case of iitis. Iitis can be described as the frequent or excessive use of the pronoun I in their language. Whether this tends to be healthy for me is how the frequent use of the word I is used. Does using the pronoun I tend to be narcissistic in nature? We all know that narcissism is the absolutely excessive focus on self to the exclusion of others. Or does my using of the pronoun I tend to take ownership or tend to take not only ownership but indicate to you that I am being responsible for my personal personal choices? Both have lots of eyes in the conversation, but their purpose in using the pronoun I is entirely different. Can we tell the difference? I believe we can. For example, I, James Huey, use lots of eyes in my conversation on these podcasts and in my person-to-person dialogue. To me, This pronoun allows me to communicate to you and others. It allows me to communicate and take ownership. Take ownership that I alone am taking responsibility for what I am saying. I'm not using such adolescent phrases such as they say or people say or you know, etc., I am using the pronoun I to take responsibility that I understand what I'm saying and I intend to take ownership of it. I feel the same about whether self-study is selfish. To me, self-study is healthy in that it recognizes full understanding of us as unique human beings at this point in our lives. To me, Self-study could, yes, it could be selfish when it comes to the ways to, say, for example, manipulate others in some manner. Or if you had to want to play a psychological game such as winning at all cost. So yes, self-study could be selfish and negative in those kinds of situations. But to me, I believe self-study can be healthy. It's healthy as a foundation to my mental health. Study, self-study could also be unhealthy in the case of selfishness or as a method to induce that what I have learned in studying self and I attempt to try and impose it on what is real or what should be real for all. 
somehow if I am taking self-study and saying because I have discovered a certain truth that works for James Huey, it should work for everyone that I know. And anyone who doesn't get on board, once again, they shall get left at the station in my experience. My experience has also been that extremes in thoughts, extremes in feelings, and extremes in behavior tend to be unhealthy. They're unhealthy for me. I have lived long enough, and believe me, every birthday reminds me, I have lived long enough for me to know that whenever I wander into extremes in thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, I tend to be wandering into unhealthy emotional territory for me. Maybe I do. Maybe I do fit my astrological sign of Libra. Usually, in most of my life, I do attempt to balance my focus and remember the goal. Remember the goal of why and how I'm utilizing the process of self-study without resorting to a quick use of labels. As always during these podcasts, it is you. You, the listener, who makes your own personal decision on the content of the program and the way I choose to present it. You will make the choice on whether self-study is selfish or can be utilized for a very healthy, emotional, and psychological goal. I am happy when the podcast can stimulate thinking. I appreciate the questions, and I believe the pondering that I can offer for each individual to make a personal choice. After all, personal growth, self-study is about you making your own personal choice. Your way, not my way, not your neighbor's way, not society's way, but your way. Deciding on what works for you and is healthy for you and the world in which you live. Recently, I had the opportunity to create a PTP from the writings of John Powell. You may recall that a PTP is my acronym for Point to Ponder. It's an opportunity I offer myself and others to take some thought, experience, or issue and to view it in many different ways so that you and I can learn. For followers of this podcast, you probably recall that John Powell was the author of a book I used earlier entitled, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? The quick answer to his question was, if I tell you truly who I am, you may not like it. And after all, that's all I have. I found another point by John Powell to also be challenging And as I seek to learn more about my own feelings and behaviors and understand them, I share it with you. Powell writes, quote, No one's feelings are caused by others. Our feelings are caused by our own emotional responses, our own reactions, and choices, unquote. The entire area of our personal feeling is certainly a critical part of how we each choose to reveal ourselves to others in our world. Using the prism of degrees, 
we usually decide somewhere between 1 through 10 using a 10-point scale rather than deciding to share all of our feelings with everybody or the other extreme, which is to share none of our feelings with other people. Yes, we all have feelings as the unique humans we are. Understanding them is self-study work. And I mentioned many times that self-study is work. Powell's view would seem to repudiate that worn, tired line that one often uses in avoiding the taking of responsibility for our feelings. Often we hear people say, he or she did this and made, they made me feel good or bad. According to Powell, we as human individuals are responsible for our own emotional responses, our reactions, and the choices that you and I make and how to feel in the presence of what others do or do not do. He or she did this and they do not make me feel bad or good. That still remains my choice. Others do not make me feel bad or good. That choice is still mine. Of course, they can encourage my feelings, but I am the one that is going to finally make a decision and choice. I believe that taking responsibility for choices has been a frequent theme of this podcast series. It has been difficult as we grew up and continues to be so as adults. Our society gives us many opportunities to learn how to displace this responsibility on to other people, other people making us feel a certain way. Giving the responsibility to others of how we feel often can allow us to avoid the choices we have as we react to our personal responses. So, are the good feelings or the hurt feelings that I have as a result, do they come as a result of my own choices? Once again, a point to ponder, a PTP. Are the good feelings or the hurt feelings I have a result of my own choices? I have found after living this period of time that no one lives a perfect life. No one makes perfect choices. Processing a PTP is just a learning opportunity we each have to accept, reject, or even rationalize the feelings we all experience as humans. I personally hope that presenting this PTP will stimulate you to a better understanding of your choices in this area of feelings, of feelings that help you create and live a life of positive lifestyle. Well, this is your friend and your host, James Huey. Thanks for listening to me on this podcast as I share viewpoints from my experiences with wellness psychology. These are my gifts to you, my listeners. Your positive feedback sent via email is appreciated. The address, once again, is powerforpositiveliving at gmail.com. If you prefer voicemail, the number is 256-369-5847. Please join me next week as we continue to explore topics to enrich the quality of your life. As your friend, 
and your host here on Friendship Podcast Radio, I do encourage you to nurture yourself as the unique individual that I believe you are. We all can live power for positive living and friendship. Good day.